Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pruney. Hey, hey, welcome to the Growing Up Rock Podcast. This is Stephen Michael. And Sonny Hollywood Pooney, how are you? Hey, Sonny, what's going on, my friend? Same old, same old. You know, my life is boring compared to yours. So uh, I heard you saw a show last night or something? Yeah, my life's exciting. Last night I was working Boston and Joan Jett. Oh, man, it was a killer classic rock show. I'll tell you what. I was really excited because uh, when I got there around uh, 5 o'clock, uh, Joan Jett was doing sound check, and, uh, and she uh, whipped out um, Playing With Fire, which is an old Runaways tune. Yeah, uh, which I thought was really cool because she doesn't, you know, she normally she'll play like Cherry Bomb and and um, uh, she'll play that for uh, her Runaways tune, but she doesn't normally play like a ton of Runaways during her set. So uh, her playing that, and she didn't play it live either. She 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 did it in sound check, but she didn't play it live. Um, uh, so that was very very cool. Uh, and her set was good. She she's solid. I mean, you know, her band sounds great. She sounded great. She did her thing, and uh, she played for a good hour, uh, and so I enjoyed that. And then Boston came on, and uh, I'll tell you what, man, those two Boston records are just so so good, so well written, sounds so good, uh, and they they delivered it live. And um, uh, not a big crowd, um, but. Um, Hey, killer, killer nonetheless, really good guitar-driven classic rock. Yeah, those two Boston albums, I mean, they'll go down, well, they're already in history as some of the best albums. I think the third one was pretty good too, right? Third Stage? Yeah, Third, sta- third Stage was really good. I saw I saw them on the Third Stage tour with uh, Brad Delp, which was, uh, yeah. which was good for me. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a good record too. It, I don't think they're ever going to be able to uh, repeat, you know, the first and second record. Those those two records. 
how, how was the vocals? Because Boston's all about the vocals, right? Boston is all about the vocals, and it was a little, little rough on the first song, I'll be honest. But um, they, they straightened it right out and uh, uh, warmed up. And, uh, you know, by second song in, they were, they were straight on point. So it was good. And they weren't using any, any uh, tapes or anything like that because generally I can sniff those out at sound checks. You'll hear, you'll hear the sound man running a bunch of, of uh, samples and, and tapes, but uh, I didn't hear any of that for this Boston show. So I think, uh, I think that we were all good with that. Yeah, except for Tom, the only other name I recognized that's on stage with him is Gary Phil. I don't recognize all those other names. Yeah, no, just, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, good musicians from various parts of, uh, of the U.S. And, um, you know, uh, he and Gary are the, the long-standing um, uh, Boston guys. And really, I mean, if you get down into it, uh, Tom is the only original member, right? Because Gary wasn't even there for the, for the first uh, record, I don't think. Uh, he, he came in after like the first tour or something like that. But, you know, at this point he's been there since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, and Joan Jett, I mean, her vocals probably similar, right? She, she didn't exactly, uh, have a huge range to begin with. So I'm sure she sounded pretty good. Yeah. I mean, she sounded fine. She does her thing. You know, Joan sounds like Joan. She doesn't vary from, uh, from, from what she is or who she is. So yeah, yeah it was good. Good show. So tonight we want to give a little bit different perspective on the careers of Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer and throw a little kiss scab love their way. Um, so that's that's what we're getting into uh, with tonight, right? So I, I just out of curiosity, um, and and just for you folks out there listening, right? Sonny and I, we we we're part of a lot of various uh, Facebook groups. Um, that are dedicated to KISS, and, and maybe some of you guys are as well. Um, and w- we just, we we sit back and we watch all the discussions that come through those boards, and, and a lot of times those discussions center around um, the hatred, basically, <laughs> for for Eric and Tommy, uh, and, and wearing the, the makeup and, and, and so on and so forth. And there are some really serious kiss purists out there that, uh, don't want to have anything to do with it. And you know what, as a music lover, I respect all opinions. Uh, that's, what's beautiful about music. Your opinion is your opinion and, and that's okay. You're entitled to that opinion, but, Hopefully, during this show, I'm hoping that we're able to kind of give you guys all a little bit different perspective on Tommy and Eric and uh, hear us out. Give us a chance. Give us an opportunity. Don't unsubscribe to the podcast or cut me and Sonny out of your will just yet. Uh, Let us give our viewpoint on um, Tommy and Eric uh, putting on the makeup and uh, picking up the... uh, the flag for uh, kiss. Yeah. The kiss army is pretty passionate. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, it's interesting. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't old enough to probably realize when Eric Carr came in, even when Vinny came in, I wasn't really old enough to realize what was going on. But with, uh, with the, the members recently that have come in over the years, kiss army has a lot of comments about it. That's for sure. Tons of it, man. And it's, it, listen, 
let's let's talk about it just a little bit. Okay, first of all, my situation is I consider myself a moderate to medium Kiss fan, um, meaning that uh, I'm not part of the uh, overall Kiss army. I enjoyed Kiss when I was younger. I got into them around Creatures of the Night. I knew about them and, and liked them a little bit before then, but I really got into them around Creatures of the Night. And I'm a little bit older than Sonny. And Sonny came in around, uh, what, Animalize, right, Sonny? Yeah, Animalize. And I would say I'm a piss freak. Now, you know, you, you take the Joes and the Jodies of the world from Podcast Rock City or somebody like the Ken Mills or – those guys, those guys are super freaks. I'm, I'm a kid's freak. Yeah, that's right. We got, we got friends that are around in the podcast community, whether it's uh, Podcast Rock City or whether it's Chris over there at Decibel Geeks or, or, or whatever the situation is. These guys know their stuff. They're historical kiss geeks flat out, and they'll tell you that. Um, and we, well, I know a good bit about kiss, but I wouldn't consider myself a kiss geek. Um, and like I said, I'm kind of a moderate kiss fan, but Sonny, Sonny's a little bit more of a kiss, uh, uh, geek kiss freak. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, um, where we stand within the kiss army ranks. Um, as far as our passion goes, uh, with kiss. Um, so that being said, um, that kind of gives you perspective on where we're coming with our viewpoints on um, uh, Eric uh, um, Singer and Tommy Thayer and, and their part in um, this thing we like to call Kistery. Ah, yeah, Kistery. I, I love that term. It's the best term ever. I love all words that start with kiss. It's like awesome. You can do so much with it. Right. Kistery, Absolutely. Historic. We have our own historic moment on this show every week. And it's fun, too, right? It's fun, too. But uh, exactly. this whole thing, so let's just get into it because, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we're in dangerous waters here. Let's, yeah, what's, let's, your thoughts, what's your thoughts on Tommy and Eric? Here's my perspective. Um, I'm passionate about preserving um, the music for the generations. And here's my stand on it. The Aerosmiths, the Stones, the Beatles, the Who's, the Zeppelins, the Kisses. These people aren't going to be around forever. Some of them already are not around. So how do we preserve that legacy and bring new generations into the fold to feel that spiritual connection that we all felt with whether it was Kiss or whether it was Aerosmith or Van Halen or, or Zeppelin or Beatles or whatever it is. How do we do that? Um, and it's important that we have, I think, some sort of a, a bridging of the uh, gap between generations. Um, and so where I'm going with this is... Some of you KISS fans out there that got into KISS when you were um, 10, 11 years old, and let's say you came into KISS um, at their prime, you know, in around 76, 77, whatever, um, and your KISS is, is Peter, Ace, Gene, and, and Paul, and that's all you know, and you're passionate about it. 
And then let's fast forward, let's say 30 years. And now you've got kids and even grandkids and you take them to see a Kiss concert and it's not Ace and it's not Peter. All those kids that you take to see that concert are going to know is those four dudes up there behind that makeup playing those tunes. And that's hopefully what they're going to make the connection to. And they're going to take that and push it on to their kids and their grandkids. And so it's a circle of musical life, right? So that's my take on that. I mean, think about it. Kiss is one of the very few bands that has the opportunity to continue to live on for generations and inspire a whole brand new generation. Uh, The music, the live show, it can all go on forever, literally with replacement players. Yeah, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, my take on it, well, first of all, my favorite uh, Kiss member is Ace. So I'm coming from a lover of Ace, and I still don't have a problem with it because I have a 16-year-old son. We went and saw Kiss together with Def Leppard, and to him, his spaceman is the guy that's on stage. And the guy on stage is actually doing a pretty good job. And we've talked about it before, and we've heard from the Kiss Army before that if you were offered the job and you were a guitar player, you would take it. I would put whatever makeup on they wanted me to put on. Oh, that's that's the other thing that's kind of hilarious, man. So, I mean, and we'll get into it. We'll get into a little bit of history with with Tommy and, and Eric. And, and listen, um, these guys, I think, are doing right by the history of KISS. Um, they're, they're treating the legacy with respect. Um, and, and these are two guys that grew up KISS fans, okay, first and foremost. So they're one of you guys in, in, in a roundabout way. All the KISS army out there, these guys are one of you guys. The term, the term scab has come across the line a couple times, so I decided to, to uh, do a uh, um, dictionary search and just kind of read what, is, what does it say about um, a scab worker. And, and so this is what I came up with. It says a strike breaker, sometimes derogatorily called a scab, uh, blackleg or knobstick. is a person who who works despite an ongoing strike okay first of all to my knowledge peter and ace aren't on strike but okay strike breakers are usually individuals who are employed by the company prior um, who are not employed by the company prior to the trade union dispute i'm willing to bet that both tommy and eric were on the payroll um, for kiss I guarantee it almost, Um, but rather hired after or during the strike to keep the organization running. So, um, see, so Tommy and Eric aren't scabs after all. Woohoo, at least by dictionary terms, anyhow. I agree, right? Replacement players. That's who they are. And Peter walked away, Ace walked away. And. And at times, they didn't want to sign contracts that they didn't think were advantageous to them. I respect the decisions they made because they got to take care of their families, too. But, uh, you know, everybody's got to work and uh, Kiss was going to go on. So yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's you know, it was an opportunity that was presented to both of these guys. Um, and it was just like anybody in real life where um, you have a job that you're working at. Um, 
from nine to five, let's say, and you're making 10 bucks an hour. And here comes somebody that offers you your dream job at 20 bucks an hour. Um, I'm guessing that that conversation between you and your significant other is really not going to take a whole long time. You're going you're gonna to take that job, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because both sides are saying something similar, right? So the Peter and the Ace Camp, uh, Ace camp always say, well, they're, Paul and Gene are just in it for the money. Well, who isn't? Yeah. And then Paul and Gene say, Peter and Ace are just in it for the party and the fame. Who isn't? Yeah. <laughs> like they're both right. It's listen, rock and roll is all about the the uh, money, the party, and the fame. It's it is what it is. It's just now everybody is fifty and sixty years old, so it's not so much about the party anymore. It's more about the money. So we'll dig into the um, careers and contributions of uh, Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer, and um, we'll take a look at uh, all their uh, body of work, uh, including uh, the recent Kiss stuff. I had an opportunity while I was doing research to go back and uh, listen to Monster and, and Sonic Boom uh, both. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say this about both of those records. I, I still think that both of those records are a lot better than people give them credit. And in fact, for me, in my personal opinion, and this is only my personal opinion, I actually like those records better than I do uh, Kiss the Elder or Unmasked, um, and really even Dynasty. I mean, there's some good songs on Dynasty, don't get me wrong. There's some good songs on Unmasked. There's even a few good songs on oh, on um, uh, the Elder. But uh, I actually like Monster and, and uh, Sonic Boom better. So there you go, I said it. Yeah, we don't exactly share the same opinion there. I, I get <laughs> I would it. Say and that's Dynasty okay. And, uh, yeah, Dynasty and Unmasked to me rock. Uh, between Psycho Circus, Sonic Boom, and Monster, I would say Monster is better than the three uh, for sure because it sounds the closest to Classic Kiss. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you on that one. Monster sounds a little bit more like uh, classic Kiss for sure. And speaking of newer Kiss and newer music, do you know what time it is? It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Hey, thanks for that introduction there, Samantha. And today we're going to be spotlighting a new one off the Mr. Big record, Defying Gravity. This is a tune called Open Up Your Eyes. Okay, we're rolling. Hit me now. time I've heard that song. I've heard uh, clips of Mean to Me 1992 and Forever and Back because you can find those on iTunes because the record technically, as we're taping this, isn't out yet. Yep. 
but that's the first time I heard that song. I, production wise, man. Well, first of all, Mr. Big Rocks. I love Mr. Big. Yeah. Uh, production wise, this thing's like arena rock, man. It sounds big. Yeah, it's good, right? It's got a really, yeah. really good. Uh, just like I said in the review, it's got a great pre-course, and uh, um, it's just a good, solid um, groove, dirty groove rock. Uh, tune uh, with what you would come to expect from uh, uh, Billy Sheehan and, and um, Paul Gilbert, and then uh, you know Eric Martin. He's just he's just such an amazing singer. San Francisco boy, love my Eric Martin. He's yeah, the man. He's good, man. He's soulful. So uh, I encourage you go check out the uh, the latest by Mr. Big, uh, Defying Gravity, and. Uh, if, if you aren't a fan of this band, first of all, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Second of all, if, you're, if you don't know anything other than those two hit singles uh, that they had, the two ballads, I, I encourage you to go out there and, and um, uh, you know, you can start with the new record. New record's great, but then go back to the beginning and start with that first record. That first record's so underrated. I would say the first record is one of the best debut albums ever. That first record is unbelievable. Uh, so that's it. That's our uh, Crank It Up Spotlight on new music for Growing Up Rock for this week. Uh, so uh, sorry about that. Let's uh, dig back into it. I'll, uh, I'll kick us off, Sonny, and um, uh, let's talk about Tommy Thayer a little bit. Um, so just, uh, some, some general background information on Tommy Thayer. Tommy's 56 at this point. Um, his, he's, he's from the Portland area. Uh, his mom was a classically trained violinist and singer. Uh, so he has good musical genes in his family. And his dad was a, a brigadier general in the army. Um, so I'm guessing that, um, uh, his family was pretty much a, a well-disciplined family. That'd be my guest. <laughs> what do you think, Sonny? <laughs> I'm sure because Tommy, uh, you know, he's kind of known as a nice guy. I'm sure that was probably beat into him early. Yeah, and and I'm guessing um, uh, I think Tommy has, from everything I've read, and and especially with his his um, early workings within the Kiss uh, camp. Uh, I think Tommy is probably uh, a very um, well-organized individual, um, somewhat of a, a project manager, I'm, best, I'm guessing. Um, he has the, that type of skill set. Um, so uh, he forms Black and Blue in, in 1981. Um, I'm a huge fan of Black and Blue. Uh, Black and Blue are one of the first um, earlier hard rock bands uh, that I got into, and um, uh, I I like pretty much everything they've turned out. Uh, I mean, there are some songs that I like better than others and some that I don't like as much, but in terms of their albums, um, I pretty much like everything that uh, Black and Blue has put out. Uh, so... Uh, he he gets signed. Uh, he he starts up back and boo with um, Jamie St. James in the Portland area, and uh, they get signed to Geffen. Um, and so they put out a couple records, and then round about um, '85, Black and Blue opens for Kiss, um, and they open for Kiss for a couple of months um, in '85. I think that's kind of where the friendship begins with uh, with Tommy and Gene. 
um, because after that, uh, Black and Blue hires Gene to produce uh, their next couple of records. Um, he does some co-writing with Gene in 89 uh, for the Hot in the Shade record. Uh, and he plays on some of the demos for Hot in the Shade. Uh, I wonder where Bruce was at this point. Maybe he, since he was writing with Gene, it was just easier for him to play on the demos as well. What do you think? Uh, yeah, Bruce was around because he plays on the actual recordings. Right. So I think it's one of those, right, that uh, Tommy's hanging around. He's a friend of Gene's, yep. and they write together. So, And Bruce, Bruce has been known to be very collaborative with whoever is there, right? He just wants to be part of the mix and welcome everybody. So... Uh, I'm sure it was fine. Gene does uh, a couple of records with Black and Blue and produces them. Um, and in 88, um, uh, Geffen releases Black and Blue from their contract. So Tommy at this point is just an out-of-work musician, um, probably struggling to um, to feed his family, right? Because uh, they really haven't made any money at this point. Um, I'm sure any advances or publishing is already gone at this point. Uh, they haven't sold a ton of stuff. So uh, Tommy's just uh, a, another out-of-work musician trying to, uh, to make his way and uh, probably takes on um, a regular job at some point, um, as have a lot of the, the musicians from the from that period of time. Um, and I read that at one point Tommy um, actually started working for Kiss in a, with respect to painting Paul's house and cleaning out Gene's gutters. Yeah, I've heard rumors about that, and there's been some stuff in print. Uh, I'm sure it's probably true. I think uh, they had him doing – he was kind of like the errand boy too, I guess, at one point. Yep, and he's making a living, and, and again, you yep. have to respect that. And here's what I like about this. This is what I like about this. So he's an out-of-work musician just trying to feed his family. But what it says to me is that he's also not so prideful that he's not willing to do whatever he needs to do to bust his ass to make a living, right? If this guy is um, cleaning uh, Gene's gutters and painting Paul's house, he's a hardworking kid, right? And he probably got that from uh, his dad being, um, you know, a, a brigadier general. That would be my guess, right? The, worth it, the work ethic. Uh, yeah, because in Black and Blue, you know, as you kind of mentioned, he was no joke. He's a songwriter. He's not just the rhythm guitar player that shows up, parties, gets drunk, and goes home. Like, no. He, this guy was real, and so – to go from that to painting houses um, and to be able to kind of swallow your ego like that, uh, you know, that's that's uh, probably doesn't run that common in guitar players. No, he's he's uh, you know, he, he grew up uh, a fan of Kiss in the 70s um, and he's a hardworking kid. He learned how to play guitar. I mean, he formed Black and Blue. He co-wrote a lot of those songs. Um, he wasn't just a rhythm player, obviously he played lead, uh, on a lot of the songs. And so, um, I have respect for that. I have respect for that in a great way. And so, um, the first song that I have chosen to play, um, is obviously a black and blue song, but it's a deep cut. 
Uh, and let me explain a little history around this song. Um, this is a song that brought me um, to Black and Blue, bought the attention of the band to me. And where I found this song was uh, there were compilations that were put out in the early 80s um, called Metal Massacres. And these were compilation metal tapes, most of the time from unsigned bands. Um, and I got my hands on a two disc. Um, it was a cassette at the time. It was a two cassette pack, uh, called metal masker 82. And let me, let me read you some, some of the bands that were on this, some of the unsigned bands that were on this particular tape that I had and God, I wish I still had this tape, uh, but I do not. So some of the bands on this tape, um, first of all, side two, uh, was a band called black and blue. Um, and the song that I'm going to play, which is a song called chains around heaven. Um, and it was written by Tommy Thayer and Jamie St. James. That's the song that I'm going to spin, but other bands of note on this metal massacre compilation were a little band called Metallica with hit the lights. Um, another band and, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's, it's rat R A T T, um, with a song called tell the world, uh, that you may recognize from their EP. Um, and by the way, Metallica, they didn't even spell it right on the cassette. It was, it was spelled, um, M A T T L I C A. I think is how they spelled it. It was misspelled on the cassette. They spelled it like rat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and then other bands that had like, um, malice. You remember that band? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. They had two or three songs by malice, uh, on that, uh, record as well. Oh, um, Steeler, Ron Keel's oh. band, Ingve and Ron Keel. They had, uh, Steeler was on there as well. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, so this is how I how I was turned on to new music at that period of time, um, but yeah, chains around heaven. I've always loved this song. I still love it today. I think it's a killer rock and roll tune. Um, so, chains around heaven, black and blue, off their off of the Metal Masker um, uh, demos, but also off of the first uh, debut album by Black and Blue on Geffen Records. Here we go. That song is catchy. 
So they were kind of catchy right from the beginning, huh? Yeah, man. It's just a good groove. Got a good groove, heavy guitars, man, good melody lines. Uh, I just, I dig that song. I mean, is it, you know, is it the best written hard rock song ever? No, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I get to, I get to choose it. So that that was a uh, that was my kickoff. We'll go back and forth, you and I. Let's uh, let's go back and forth. Uh, you're up, Sonny. What do you got for me? We're still talking about Tommy, though, right? You can talk about anything we want. You know what? We okay. don't have any rules with this show. That's the thing, Sonny. <laughs> I'm gonna make that point up front. I, I need the <laughs> listeners to understand there are really no rules because rock and roll is all about being a rebel, isn't it? So, so I say this, Sonny, I dare you. Why don't you give us a piece of factoid information about our friend Eric Singer and play one of his <laughs> tunes? Go ahead. All right. So uh, I love Eric Singer. Um, honestly, my second favorite drummer ever in Kiss, number one being Eric Carr. Uh, Eric's born in my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, so he can't be all bad. Um, he's 59 years old right now. Now, it's in, uh, interesting that Tommy's family had some musical background because so did Eric's. So Eric's dad was a big band leader that played locally in the Ohio market. And then he also, I guess, played on cruise ships at some point. So um, there was definitely music in Eric's family too. Dictionary definition of hired gun. Eric has not been without a job since 1984 in music. Um, he's on over 80 albums. If you go to his website and go, <laughs> go to the albums that he's been on, it's an endless list. Really? And, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And he's been on everything from, you know, full link studio albums with the black Sabbaths of the world and the Alice Coopers of the world mm -hmm. to a lot of these, uh, like put together tribute type albums for Pink Floyd and Ace Frehley and Metallica and, so, you know, the Bob Kulik's of the world would put together a bunch of musicians and do covers basically as a tribute to these major bands. So you know that uh, he must, gets involved in that. That must be a big business because they put out a lot of tribute records like everybody does that. And they all go and they all get all these cool players and, and everything. But there are tons of tribute records out there to, to just about anybody that's been around. I mean, there's Rush tribute records and ACDC tribute records and uh, so there's all kinds of uh, Kiss tribute records and and things like that. I, I, they must actually make somebody must make money off of that. You would think so, but I've heard some uh, interviews with Bob Kulik, and he said there's no money in it. So I I don't know what to believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. what's the point of doing it then? I mean, how many tributes can you do? Yeah, I don't know. So we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about Eric a little bit later, but let's spin his first song. So the first song that I picked was actually a Kiss tune. So uh, one of the albums he was on is called Return of the Comet. It came out in uh, 97, and it was a tribute to Ace Frehley, but uh, the members of Frehley's Comet kind of got together and got some other players involved and uh, did these songs. Eric actually sings lead on this one, and uh, if you don't know, Eric is an unbelievable lead vocalist. I saw Kiss acoustic in 2015 at the local casino and if it wasn't for eric's backup vocals uh paul wouldn't have sounded as good he makes paul sound really good and they sound good together 
Yeah, so he, just, he's doing he's doing a lot of helping out this uh, uh this time. I mean, he's he's uh he's been helping Paul out a lot recently. Yeah, no doubt. Um so the song we're going to spin is off of Hotter Than Hell. Um obviously it's a Kiss song written by Ace. It was originally sang by Peter and it was on this album called Return of the Comet and the song is called Strange Ways. Love it. version i've not actually i've not heard that version uh before that's awesome yeah it's pretty much uh like the original except for that beginning guitar part carl cochran who plays all the guitars kind of wanted to do his spin of what the beginning should have been yeah but eric belts it and honestly peter really belted it hotter hotter than hell too so eric does it uh, justice though for sure yeah that's cool it's just cool to hear uh you know hear eric sing it and um uh, it's just a different recording that I haven't heard. So that's pretty cool. I dug it. All right, cool. Back to me and, and, uh, I'll bounce around a little bit too. So, um, Tommy, um, I've talked about Tommy, uh, and black and blue. Uh, so I'm going to get into, um, Tommy and his, uh, contributions a little bit to, uh, kiss uh, and I'm going to bounce around and, and I talked about it earlier, uh, in the episode where I thought, um, Sonic Boom and, uh, Monster were reasonable records. Um, are they my favorite Kiss records? No, but I don't think they're as bad as everybody, uh, is griping about. Um, and the song that I've chosen to play is a song that Tommy and Paul wrote together, um, off the Sonic Boom record. Um, and yes, uh, Sonny called my attention to it. I'm sure you're going to talk about it a little bit more, but don't say it before we play it. <laughs> don't say it before we play it. Um, this song has a little bit of a resemblance to another song. Uh, and Sonny, Sonny uh, texted me today and he's like, man, this song sounds like, and he's right. It does a little bit, but I still like it. It's a killer song. Uh, this song is called Never Enough. Rest. 
So our listeners are probably wondering, wait a second, that does sound familiar. Okay, so what happened (laughs) in the verse, to me, it sounds very, very similar to Nothing But a Good Time by Poison. Don't need nothing. The verse is almost exact. The melody. Dude, and guess what? I like that song, too. I do too. I do too. I'm not saying it's a bad song. It just, I remember listening to it the other day and I'm like, why am I singing nothing but a good time right now? Kiss songs on. Dude, I walked out, I walked out to my reception to nothing but a good time. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Come on. It's all about the party, my friend. <laughs> Damn. Just because That's I, awesome. just because I didn't slow dance with my wife out, out to my reception. <laughs> I had no choice. I'm not a dancer, but my beautiful wife asked me to dance, so I had to. Dude, I slow danced at my wedding. I just didn't slow dance out to my introduction at my reception. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. So anyway, uh, I like that tune, and, and I played it. There you go. All right. So let's go back to Eric. And we will go. I think you should go to Tommy now. Switch it up. All right. So I'll go to Tommy. (laughs) All right. So I'll go to Tommy and I'll pick black and blue. How about that? So black and blue is interesting to me because for some reason, they just didn't land with me. Like I have a lot of black and blue stuff. When you listen to it, when I listen to it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's okay. And I like bands like that. I like Poison, like Rat, like Warren. But for some reason, I think I might have heard Black and Blue maybe later than I heard some of those other bands. And then I kind of put them in this lump of they sound like everybody else versus hearing Black and Blue first and saying Warrant sounds like everybody else. Maybe that's what it was. See, and let, um, let me stop you there. Let me just stop you there. <laughs> so, so let's uh, – I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I want to have this conversation because I talked to somebody else about this earlier, but this whole sounds like – they sound like this. They sound like that. You and I both know that every band in history sounds like somebody. <laughs> so, so here's my issue, and and I'll, I, I quit trying to to I quit trying to look at things that way. Like the bottom line is, and and to me, as long as they're not plagiarizing something, I mean, like as long as. They're not going, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. As long as they're not going, hey, need a whole lot of love. This is our new song called Whole Lot of Love, <laughs> you know, with the same riff and everything. As long as they're not doing that, like, it's okay if they sound like this band. You know what I mean? Like, uh, a perfect example, and, and it's meant to be a tribute, and uh, I'll talk about it, but perfect example classic 78 this band that did the the five or six songs that sound like kiss in 78 these are original songs but they sound like kiss but that doesn't make me like that ep any less like i enjoy listening to that ep by classic 78 you get my point oh i totally get your point i totally get and i i like classic 78 too i the difference to me is, you know, they sound similar, but I guess what I mean by it is they didn't catch me by something different because I'd already heard a bunch of that type of music. Yeah. So it just like, I don't turn black and blue off if it comes on the shuffle in my car. 
but I don't ever go to put a black and blue album on and I don't know why. Um, all right. So getting back to black and blue. So then I go to my, my iTunes cause I ripped on my CDs too. And then I, and I went to the archives to go see, have I seen black and blue live? I've seen black and blue live four times. Yeah. And I would I, imagine I, from that area. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've seen them four times. I actually saw them recently, uh, two years ago on the monsters of rock cruise. And I remember going oh, they're still pretty good. So the song that we're going to spin, um, is a black and blue song from 1985, and it was written by Jamie St. James and Jim Valance, Mr. Brian Adams' co-writing partner, another one of my favorites. Uh, So the song is called Without Love. That was uh, that was Black and Blue's um, second record, and I think their attempt to conform to uh, pressure at Geffen to uh, write kind of a, a little bit poppier of a record. I know they had, uh, I think Bruce Fairburn uh, produced that record, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, okay, that would make sense. Yeah, it's you know I like that poppy, catchy. Black and Blue have an edge to them, though. I guess they're not as poppy as like a Poison, but uh, I really like the songs, catchy. No, yeah, they're a little bit more rock and roll than a poison. They were never really a glam band. They were, I mean, they wore spandex and and did their hair up like a lot of the bands from that time. But I I never really necessarily considered them a glam band. They didn't wear a ton of makeup, um, and uh, they were more of a straight ahead rock, uh, hard rock band. So uh, that was their attempt at uh, probably conforming to pressure at Geffen to to write a little bit more of a hit. Uh, record but there's some good music on that and that I, I like that song so it's cool so that swings it over to me and I'm going to focus on the first real band that Eric Singer was part of of really any significance um, and that is Badlands uh, where he wasn't a hired gun he was part of the band and this is the band with uh, Jakey Lee from Ozzy's band and Ray Gillian so uh, I love Badlands. That first record, that first debut record was fantastic. I thought it was a really, really solid record. Um, and they put out a second record, uh, Voodoo Highway, which was a lot bluesier. Um, and I'm not even sure. what. Do you know whether Eric was on that second record or not? 
No, he left to be in Paul's uh, solo band, so he was never on the second record. Yeah, so he was only on that first record, um, and he was part of the band, and if you haven't heard that record, go check it out. I'm going to try to play something that hasn't been played uh, from that Badlands record, and I'm going to play the the final track on the record, uh, which is a song called uh, Ball and Chain. It's just a dirty, nasty, groove-oriented, bluesy tune, so... Uh, kick back and uh, and rock with this one. Could have played the whole Badlands album front to back. Like <laughs> Ray Gillen's voice is off the chain. Yeah, right. God, that guy could sing. Wow, musical genes. Yeah, yeah. Just wow. Yeah, that wow. record's great, isn't it? Yeah, it it's is. It's been a while since I've heard this tune too. So you know, going back, I knew we were doing this show, so I dug through some of that Badlands stuff, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that record and uh, and that song in particular, but. Uh, that whole record is really good front to back. Moving All right, right so, along. Yeah, so let's stick with uh, we'll stick with Eric. How about that? So uh, a little bit more about Eric. His first real gig was as a touring drummer for Lita Ford in '84. So, uh, like I said, he's been in a you know he's been on 80 plus albums. He's been in Black Sabbath, so he actually replaced Bill Ward. Um, he's been in Alice Cooper. He's been in Gilby Clark. Obviously, he's been in Kiss host of other bands um but the song that we're gonna pick or that i'm gonna pick is called bye bye baby and it's off of alice cooper's uh eyes of alice cooper album from 2003 okay written by alice cooper eric dover and ryan roxy um eric dover eric dover i know eric dover why does that name ring a bell? I didn't Eric, know who that was. Eric Dover is, well, first of all, Eric Dover was in a band called Imperial Drag with Roger Manning that was amazing. If you don't have that Imperial Drag record, I highly encourage you to seek it out. But he was also the singer in Slash's Snake Pit. Oh, that's why I know that guy. Yeah. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um. But anyway, this song, Bye Bye Baby, and honestly, the whole album, uh, Eric does, Eric Singer does a great job in the entire album. And, you know, Alice, Alice is no joke, and he picks great musicians, and he saw the talent in Eric Singer. So uh, let's spin this song, Bye Bye Baby. Wrong with you 
Choice. Good song, man. Yeah, man. yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, it's a deep cut too. Yeah, I can't say I'm the huge Alice uh, fan, but I definitely respect him and and uh, that you know that statement about the amazing musicians that have been through that band, man. That's endless, endless amount of amazing musicians that have been through his band. Uh, yeah, so he yeah. definitely knows how to pick musicians without a doubt. Cool. All right. Well, over to me. So I'm going to fly back to the uh, Black and Blue banner. Uh, yeah, I like Black and Blue. I made that a point up front. So, um, And I am going to jump into a record that was produced by Gene uh, called In Heat. Um, and I dig this tune. Um, both records that Gene produced, personally, I like them front to back. I mean, I like both the records that, that he produced, uh, In Heat and Nasty Nasty. I dig them both. Um, again, just my personal preference. I like them. Uh, but the song I'm going to spin is uh, a song that I like to call Get Wise to the Rise. <laughs>
Yeah, that's definitely a more aggressive tune, and that's one of the few times that you uh, that I hear Jamie St. James singing a little raspier. So it almost had kind of a rat feel. Yeah. Yeah, to yeah. me anyway. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. I mean, I just like that sound. I mean, that's 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 my sweet area right there. Is is a, a good distorted guitar a good pocket and a good melody where i can understand what the guy's singing you know i just i dig that it's it's what i'm happiest with so back to you my friend all right so we are gonna stick with tommy you got uh you got two more or one more i got one more i have two more and they're both tommy yeah so well we're gonna talk about one that's tommy and eric so um like I like I mentioned, I am a Monster fan. I think Monster uh, released in 2012. I think it's a good classic Kiss record. And there was a song on there that Tommy wrote and sang the lead vocal. And uh, that's a song we're going to spin next. And honestly, I think Tommy does a great job with it. And does it sound Ace-esque? Yeah. The title, Out of This World, does that sound like the Spaceman? Yeah. He is playing a character, so you know that is what he's paid to do. Uh, but um, I think he does a great job singing it and delivering it, and the song's called Out of This World. So let's spin it. All right, let's do it. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you think Ace is a good singer? Oh, man. You got to put me there. You know I'm a member of the Kiss Army, right? Um, I'll hunt you Ace, Yeah. Ace is a unique singer. To me, a That's good singer is uh, Milchenko Mativik of Steelheart. That's a good singer. That's yeah. a great singer. Ray Gillen is a great singer. Yeah. Ace is a unique singer. Yeah, you know what? That is a really, really fair and nice way to put that. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I, I just find myself, uh, when I'm listening to some of his solo stuff, I just find myself kind of going, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's it's all good. I Again, it's I, I'm... I'm a fan of Aces. I like Ace. I like the original Kiss. I don't want to get hate mail, uh, <laughs> and I don't, man. I don't want to shade it one way or another. I just, I just want everybody, I just want everybody to open up their eyes and ears to the possibility that this is furthering the Kiss legacy by these two guys joining the band. That's all. That's fair. 
That's fair. All right, cool. So back to me. So um, I'll make no bones about it. I am a huge fan of the Revenge record. Um, I've, I've always said that from the time it came out. I got to see them in a thousand seat little club. Uh, it wasn't really a club. It was just a venue, but it only held a thousand seats. Um, at the beginning of this tour, um, it was amazing. It was sold out, obviously. Um, and they were killer. Their set list was killer. And I love this record. Um, and I'm going to try to play something that I dig, um, that doesn't get played all the time because, uh, Lord knows that, uh, there are amazing songs like unholy and domino and things like that, that get played all the time. But I have chosen a song that is called paralyzed what do you think about that there sonny love that song nice deep cut mr simmons all right let's go Yeah, I've always loved that song. I love Revenge. There's not a lot of bad songs on Revenge, that's for sure. Nah, that's a cool tune. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. I'm glad I got to play that. Back over to you, my friend. Your final song. All right. So, we're going to stick with Kiss. Um, so, the kind of the Kiss story really begins um, with, uh, well, let's talk about Eric, and then we're actually going to play a Tommy song. So, Kiss story with Eric kind of begins in 1989 with Paul's solo tour, and I actually saw that tour. And uh, he became the official Kiss drummer in December of 91. Um, so after Eric Carr passed away, unfortunately, but uh, um, so singer's been in the in the album for quite uh, or in the band for quite a long time. Yep. Um, but before singer joined the band, Tommy was actually already co-writing with. Gene, as you mentioned before, mm-hmm. and the song that we're going to spin is actually off of Hot in the Shade. Tommy co-wrote it and played some guitar on it, although Bob, uh, Bruce Kulick did the guitar solo. Tommy actually played the rest of the guitars on the song, and it's another Gene track, and Tom, it's called... Tommy had oh, like two, Tommy had a couple of co-writes on uh, uh, Hot in the Shade, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like you said, he played on the demos too, right? Yeah. All right, cool. What you got for us? The song's called Betrayed. Nice. That's <laughs> right. In a different key, obviously. <laughs> yeah. There you go, people. Hollywood at his finest. Betrayed. Hot in the shade. Kiss. Yeah. 
All right, cool. So that brings us into the home stretch, and hopefully you guys can see that uh, Tommy and Eric are both worthy of a little scab love, and you can see their contributions and uh, why we uh, want to throw a little love their way. Uh, but before we uh, get out of here and close the chapter on this episode, of course, we've got a few things to take care of. Uh, hey, Samantha, can you uh, tell us what time it is now? It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. Oh, yeah. What you got for us today, my friend? Lucky for me, I live near San Francisco, and I actually saw the very first official show where Eric Singer started drumming for Kiss. And it was in a small club, sold out 750 people. Everybody's kind of standing and, you know, one of those clubs, you can't move your arms because everybody's pinned together. So was it tight. hot as shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, and uh, it was in April. So, you was know, it, it was, was it a surprise gig or they announced that they were playing there. No, they announced they were playing there. Wow. And then they did two more gigs at the Troubadour two nights later, which I also went to. OK. So I saw three three times in a row in a club. And I was excited to see Eric Singer live because I had seen him with Paul. I had seen him with Alice already. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be so great that he's in Kiss. Although I loved Eric Carr, right? So I'm like, okay, this is great, great replacement. And, um, you know, they did the normal set list that they normally did in the 80s, really, uh, except for obviously they added revenge songs because this was the beginning of the revenge tour. But the song that we're going to spin was a song that this is the first time they ever played it. And then they only played it, it only lasted in the set for about a year, year and a half. They would have like girls come on stage and kind of do the stripper pole dances, but they wouldn't really strip kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the song is called Take It Off. Oh, yeah. I've heard it many of the times in strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knew it would be a strip club classic? But, you know, maybe Paul did know that. I'm sure he did know that. Yeah, I heard at one point, so they were talking about this, I think, uh, on one of the shows, and, and I heard at one point, uh, because early on in the tour, they were um, asking the promoters to provide local women to dance on stage to this song, and at one point, some of the quality of women, let's say, that they were providing was um, uh, keep it on instead of take it off uh, quality. <laughs> And so, so uh, at one point, I know that Kiss started bringing like um, uh, three girls on the road with them uh, that actually helped out um, by doing, uh, I think, laundry and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I read the same stuff. So, so I heard the same stuff. So there, there you go. Uh, but uh, all right, off of, off of revenge. I love it. Let's roll it. Take it off.
Yeah, that song has a uh, Alice Cooper tie-in too because it was co-written by Kane Roberts. Remember Kane Roberts, the Musclehead? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yep, sure do. Cool. Yeah, I dig that tune. That's all right. Like I said, I like that record front to back. There's, there's no getting around it. Hey, Samantha, this seems like a perfect place for a little bit of a plug. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of uh, information for me? Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. And what else would you like to tell them? Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, cool. Hey, Sonny, what say ye? What do you have to say to these fine folks? I just wanted to thank the listeners for uh, giving us a shot and uh, just let you know we're going to be around a while, so we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, no matter what you say, good, bad, or indifferent, we're still going to come back and uh, uh, do a podcast. We we will be here for you. Will you be here for us? That's the question. (laughs) Sonny, this week we've got zero listeners, but we're still making podcasts. That's all right. Your wife didn't even listen? Sonny and I just like to talk about rock and roll. What'd you say? My wife didn't even listen. Yeah, we have to have at least one or two listeners. My wife doesn't like rock and roll. She likes Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, listen, she listens to us out of the love of it all, out of the love for me. What about your wife? She likes so got, dance music. She's not listening to Kiss either. Yeah, she's a hip-hop lady, so uh, her favorite song is Dookie Booty and Brass Monkey. So, yeah, yeah we're not getting a lot of listens from her either. <laughs> I don't even. Is that actually a song? Yeah, Dookie Booty, Dookie Booty, Dookie. Oh yes, God. it is a song. Dear God, please listen to our podcast. <laughs> please support live and recorded rock and roll music. As always, get up off the couch, get out, get out in your car, and go see some live rock and roll concerts. Support live and recorded music. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So I will pull out my lovely phone and push shuffle and we'll see what we get. Let's find out here. Playlist, music, artist, songs, and Sonny, until next week. We will see you soon. Poonie out. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. All right!
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 